the way that you get someone to buy something is that when they're in so much pain that the value of getting out of pain is greater than the value of the money, right? And that's what attorneys need to learn how to do. They need to learn how to deal with those objections and how to deal with overcoming those things, how to show their value, right? So it's not always a lead problem. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Be That Lawyer. I am Steve Fretzen, and God, it's good to be here. I, uh, I've just been going nuts. We're just starting out January, middle of January, and business is cranking. Lawyers are doing well. I'm doing well. Lots of people looking to create plans and and grow their law practices. And and, you know, you're only as good as your last year. You got to keep looking at the next year and making it work. I've got a guest today that's going to absolutely crush it as it relates to giving you ideas and tips on how to grow your law practice. It's Andy Stickle, who's the founder of Social Fire Starter. And before we get into more about Andy, which is going to happen in a moment, I've got, of course, some sponsors to thank. I've got Legalese Marketing, who does newsletters and email campaigns and just sets up law firms to help take away the day-to-day and, and, and grow their law practices, focus on what you enjoy doing, practicing the law. And of course, Money Penny. If you're looking to help uh, get help with, with inbound calls and, and getting chat on your website and all that kind of fun stuff. Money Penny is the way to go. And so I want to tell them I appreciate them as the sponsors today. The quote of the day, Andy, is from George S. Patton. I don't know why I picked a general for you, but I did. <laughs> a good plan violently executed now is better than the, a perfect plan executed next week. I'm not sure how I feel about the word violently because we're not <laughs> violently. That's, yeah, that's kind of intense. <laughs> but but that that quote is so like spot on because lawyers tend to wait and wait and wait to put a plan together yeah. and, and they're looking for perfection instead of what's good. And so what is that what you're seeing? And what does that quote mean to you and in your world? Yeah. Well, to simplify it, you can say done is better than perfect, you know? There you and, go. That's, and that's, I mean, that's how I live my life is that, you know, I understand that I'm never going to achieve perfection in anything, but the reason that I'm able to get so much done is because I get so much done. And even I, I accept that it's not going to be perfect, but it's better than the thing that I would have put out had I tried to make it perfect and never actually got it done. You know, it's funny. I was listening to somebody, I was at a conference. I don't remember who this was, but they were talking about one of the, one of the great things about sports is there a, is there is a definitive end, you know, like football, you play four quarters and at the end of the fourth quarter, the clock hits zero and the game's over. You know what I mean? So you don't have time to go back and rework that play that you could have done in the, in in the third quarter or whatever. It's, It's over. You know what I mean? Like, but in life, especially like business projects and things like that. We don't have that deadline. We theoretically could go on forever. You know what I mean? So it really holds a lot of people back where they're always like, ah, I could do it and get better. I could do it better. I could, you know, change this thing about it. And they never end up getting anything done. So yeah, yeah. done is better than perfect is a motto that I live by. Yeah. And, and so when I help lawyers put together their business plans for, and I've been doing that nonstop for the last week, it's always simple. It's always a couple pages. It's always talking about what their focus should be, how they should spend their time and not do a hundred things, do two things, three things, one thing mm-hmm. and, and get it going. Don't, don't get analysis by paralysis where you're just thinking about it all the time. 
let's get it going and just get that activity up. That's what's going to, that's going to win the day most of the time. So let's get into your background. Tell me a little bit about how you got into the, into social fire starter and being a kind of a top player for lawyers nationally, internationally, et cetera. Sure. Well, so I started social fire starter back in 2012 and I actually didn't even really plan to work with lawyers. My partner at the time was previously national sales director for one of the really, 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 really big law firm marketing companies. I'm not going to say they are, but she was national sales director and she left after realizing that they were delivering basically a garbage product for the amount that they were selling people. So what ended up happening was she, she was actually a family friend and I had started a social media company and she and I talked because um, it's actually a friend of my aunt's. And my aunt was like, hey, you should talk to you should talk to this person. So we started talking and I had been I had owned a marketing agency since 2008 and I, I left that one and I sold I, I sold that, my share in that. And then I started Social Firestarter, which is basically just going to be a social media marketing agency. So I didn't want to do anything that I'm doing. I didn't want to be the person out front. I didn't want to be in charge of sales. I didn't want to do anything. I basically just wanted to be the guy that did the marketing. And what ended up happening was I partnered up with her. We, we started talking and well, actually beforehand, we started talking. And after just kind of a couple of things, I kind of made some comments where she realized that what she was selling was total garbage. So a couple of days later, she made a sale for $10,000. And she called me right after that. And she's like, I just made a sale for $10,000. And I can, I, I know this guy is not going to get any return on his investment. I, I got to get out of here. Right. So she ended up actually giving the guy a refund and she left that company and she joined and, and she and I joined forces. And our goal was to create a company that actually does a good job for the clients that actually delivers results. That's, and that's groundbreaking. That. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> for lawyers, and, and actually, it wasn't even intended for lawyers. Just a company that does a good job. But she was national sales director, so she knew lots of lawyers. So we had one lawyer hire us, and then two lawyers hire us, and then four lawyers hire us, and then eight lawyers. And word started to spread. And then before you know, it, we had fifty lawyers. And I guess we're a law firm marketing company. You know, so when in doubt, specialize. Yeah, exactly. Well, we did it completely completely by accident. You know, I, I back then I, I had no idea that you should niche down. I was just like, yeah. Oh, okay, well, I guess we can get these clients. And then, uh, and then I, I kind of got more interested in learning how to, in providing content and, and providing value and all that type of stuff. And that really snowballed to where I am now, where, you know, I've got over 1200 videos on YouTube, you know, I've sold, you know, thousands of copies of books and things like that. And it's just been really, really an interesting journey. And it's, it's one that if you would ask me when I started the company, if this is where I would be, I would have told you you're absolutely insane. Yeah. And I think I got word of you and we just met recently, but I got word of you a number of years ago. And I think I popped down and saw some of your videos. I was like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. And I saw you presenting in a room full of lawyers and your, your handwriting on a whiteboard is disastrous. And by the way, so terrible. is mine. It's horrible. Absolutely it's terrible. horrible. <laughs> but isn't that, and then the worst is like, in the, they, there's a, something you want to write up and you can't like spell the word or remember the word and then you know, oh, just yeah. change the word, you know, it's just trying well, to make it's it a, work. It's a scientific fact that spelling and punctuation and grammar don't count on whiteboards. And uh, it's kind of funny because <laughs> my texting. mom always, yeah, well, so I'm left-handed. And when I was younger, my mom used to always get on me about my handwriting and like, you've got to have good handwriting if you're going to get a good job. Well, you know, proved her wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you, my, my son too, he's, he's 15. He, he's a lefty like I am. Yeah. And his handwriting, I mean, mine is bad. His yeah. is completely not legible. I don't, and, and, and it was like too late to like 
get him to a teacher to do handwriting because we, we talked to some, they're like, yeah, if he's already like 12, it's too late. We're like, well, great. Yeah. That's, I've, that's I've actually thought do. about taking handwriting classes and trying to like, is there, but I can't find any. I mean, I take, <laughs> I have a coach for literally everything. Like I have a <laughs> diet coach who calls me every morning and we talk about what I ate the day before. Oh I have my a personal God. trainer. I've got business coaches. I've got sales coaches. I've got a marriage coach. So I can learn how to be a better husband. Like I, 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 I know, I know there's so much out there that I don't know. And I don't, I don't beat around the bush. Like I'm going to hire somebody. So I actually tried to find somebody to teach me how to improve my handwriting. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I think there, that's why this lady said like, it's too late. Like, I mean, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure you can do it. I think if I slow down and, and, and write in all caps, like if I'm writing a handwritten letter, I write in all yeah. caps that helps a little bit, but still, yeah. You know, anyway, yeah. if I go slow, I can I can make it legible. But the problem is when the problem is I try to over deliver. So when I do my presentations, like where, where did you actually see me? Did you see me at Ben Glass's thing? Is that where you saw me or uh... God, it was on? I just pulled up a, a bunch of your videos and this was you presenting to a room full of people. And the, I was going to bring up the takeaway later, but I'll just tell you what it oh, was. Okay. It was like how much more you can make just by following up, just oh yeah, by yeah. just keeping in touch with people, which lawyers do a horrible job with. And you're like, it's that's like, that's where a lot of the money is. And yeah. I don't focus, I focus a little bit on that. I'm more about like creation, but you're right. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot of it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the heroes and icons summit. And the problem okay. is, is that I over deliver. I tried, I pack, I'm so much, I'm so ambitious in how quickly I think I can get through material. So I yeah. notoriously prepare, if I have 60 minutes, I prepare an hour and a half worth of stuff. And then I end up having to scramble and then I'm like just writing on the board. As yeah. Fast as yeah. <laughs> like, make your, make your adjustments on the fly. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Best. Yeah. And I well, still skip over stuff, but you know, well, very cool. And I feel like we're, we're, you know, in a similar place. I, I also never thought I'd work with attorneys. I got pulled into it with the recession of 2008. The only difference is I was spending so much time with lawyers and helping them specialize and talking to them about specialization that it finally like occurred to me when 80% of my business was lawyers and law firms that I should specialize. And then it's that whole thing. What am I giving up? giving up financial services. I'm giving up accounting. I'm giving up all these other areas, but so what? There's so mm -hmm. many lawyers and there's so much need. And I'd rather be a big player on a small team than a small player on a big team. So I think yeah. that, but, but very similar in that we both, I guess, never thought of legal as a thing. And now mm -hmm. we're both kind of entrenched in it. So, yeah. I mean, if 25% if of the lawyers out there hired you, you would <laughs> you wouldn't be able to handle it, you know? Oh, I mean? no, like, I can't handle, so I can much, handle like so 40 a year, yeah. like 40 yeah, exactly. a year. I'm a one man band. So like, yeah. I, I'm like highly interested in like targeting and working with only the most ambitious, interested, coachable attorneys. And I actually gave up working with law firms because I saw that was just a huge waste of time and energy and money because there's so much politicking and layers of decision makers and just it was just a roadblock. And then they wanted to change my deliverable and everything. So this yeah, way I'm, I'm in, like you said, I'm in control. Like I control everything that happens to make sure that the lawyer gets the best experience. And it sounds like, you know, they get the return on investment. That's, that's sort of like what you're all about. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Specialized. Yeah. <clears throat> so what are the, what are the issues that you're seeing, whether it's 2021 or moving into 2022, like what are the main things that you're hearing from lawyers now that maybe you know, it's, it's just, it's just the most common issues they're having. Well, not what I hear from them. The, what I hear from lawyers is I need more leads. I need more leads. I need more leads. Right. But that's very rarely the problem because a lot of times, you know, I mean, we, we've had clients where we, we actually, we did a campaign recently, uh, a couple, uh, about a year ago, two identical campaigns. It was both criminal defense attorneys. One was in the uh, Northeast, one was in Florida. We delivered 300 leads 
to each one. They were both Facebook campaigns. One of the one of the lawyers got zero cases out of 300 leads. The other one got 75 cases out of 300 leads, right? So I called the guy who didn't get any any cases and I was like, "Hey, what's what's going on here? How you got 300 leads?" He's like, "Yeah, but I couldn't get them on the phone. They, they you know, they wouldn't answer the phone." So I was like, "Okay, that's interesting." So then I called the the attorney who got the 75 cases. I was like, "You know, how did you do this? It's pretty amazing." And he's like, "Yeah, it's awesome." And I was like, did you have trouble getting them on the phone or, or what'd you say? And he's like, nobody answers the phone the first time. I have this system and I call it three times three ways. And what happens is every single time somebody, somebody, you know, fills out a form on his website or leaves a message for his answering service or emails them or sends a message on DM, what they do is they do three times three ways. The first time they do is they send them a text message, then they give them a phone call and then they email them. And then if they don't hear back from them, the next day they text them and they call them and then they email them. And if they don't hear back from them again, they text them and they call them and they email them. And if they direct message them, they also add direct message into all that, right? So I so so the result of that was 75 cases at like, I think his average case value is like, I don't know, like 3,500 bucks or 4,000 bucks a case or something like that. And I, I asked the other attorney, how many times did you follow up? He said like, you know, I called him like once or twice. We all know he called one time, you know what I mean? And yeah, that's, the, yeah. that's what you brought up before. It's the follow-up, you know? Yeah. So leads are not always the problem. You know, leads are not always the problem. I hear from attorneys all the time. Well, I got a lot of calls, but all, all the clients are broke. You know, they just don't have any money, right? But that, that's not true. They called you, you're an attorney, they have a problem. You have to get better at sales. You have to get better at helping them find the money. How do you, how do you, how do you figure out, you know, here's the thing. People buy things, that they can't afford all the time. And if you don't believe me, just go to Black Friday, go to Walmart on Black Friday or Best Buy on Black Friday, and you're going to see a line of people around the building buying crap that they can't afford, right? But the way that you get someone to buy something is that when they're in so much pain that the value of getting out of pain is greater than the value of the money, right? Yeah. And that's what attorneys need to learn how to do. They need to learn how to deal with those objections and how to deal with overcoming those things, how to show their value, right? Yep. So it's not always a lead problem. And that's one of my biggest things is that there are so many things you can do in your law firm that have nothing to do with leads whatsoever that can double, triple, quadruple your revenue if lawyers would just do them. And that's what, I, that's what I'm really kind of focusing on. Most of my content that I've created was really about how do you get leads? And as I'm evolving, as I'm maturing, I'm realizing that leads are not the problem. You know, leads might be one problem, but if you're not prepared, 300 leads didn't help this guy. You know, 300 leads, yeah. he didn't get a single case. So whether he got 300 leads or zero leads, it didn't make a difference. The only thing is that he spent money on these ads now. You know, so he's actually yeah. worse off for getting 300 leads. Yep, yep. Legally's marketing is not your traditional marketing vendor. Instead, we're a true fractional CMO that helps you save time and spend your money the right way to build the practice of your dreams. We help through the entire process, from customizing your intake system to driving leads and even getting more reviews afterwards. Schedule your free call at LegalEaseMarketing.com. Hello, I'm Eric, CEO of Moneypenny North America. We're trusted by leading law firms and attorneys to answer business calls virtually, professionally, and brilliantly. Our high-tech receptionist service enables us to route calls to your teams wherever they're working, and even recognize and prioritize calls based on whether they're a repeat caller, a new client, or a VIP. Trial Moneypenny free today. 
so again, you know, it's 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 all a process that may start with lead generation, but that's not the end of the process. That that leads into what's your intake, right? That intake leads to who's getting the case and then what's the initial sales conversation, or as I call it, sales-free selling conversation. Because mm -hmm. to your point, it really is about taking someone from a problem to pain and urgency. That's what drives conversion. That's what drives someone to take a next step and, and throw their money down and not ask, you know, is that, that rate's too high? Can you do something for me? They just want to get it done and they'll pay the rate because yeah. that pain is more than even thinking about the question about what is it, you know, what is this going to cost me? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that because that's really a big part of, of what I want to have you on for is to, is to give two or three really good tips on the process of getting a lead all the way through and and we can go back and forth on it but but what's another so talked about the intake what should be happening in an intake that may not be happening right now well so a couple of things that i see is phone trees phone trees are a huge thing that i call i still call law firms all the time and there's phone trees all the time and it's like i mean we we had a client a couple of years ago a uh, social security disability attorney right and he, he was a client. I called him up and I got his phone tree, you know, press one for this and press two for this and press three for this. And we were doing our, our, our monthly meeting with him. And I was looking at his call records and I saw that he got a lot of calls. Like he was ranking number one in Google. He's in Los Angeles. He's ranking number one in Google. He's ranking, you know, all the calls were coming in. We saw he's getting lots of calls, but the duration was one minute. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, I know what's happening. I know they're calling and they're getting the phone tree and they're hanging up. Right. So I talked to him. I was like, I, I was like, I'll make you a bet. And I, I, I did this. I, this is kind of an educated bet just because of the fact that I saw how many calls he was losing. I was like, if you get rid of the phone tree and you have a real person answer your phone for one month, if you don't double your intakes, I will pay for your marketing for the next two months. And next month I followed up with him and never had to pay for his marketing because yeah. he, he doubled it, you know, because because that's the thing is like people don't realize it's like treat people the way you want to be treated. That doesn't necessarily mean like be kind to everybody. Well, you should be kind to everybody, but <laughs> think about from a customer service standpoint, how much do you love calling the bank? Everybody hates calling the bank. Why? Because you got to press one, you got to do this, and you got to talk to the, you got to talk. The worst thing about the bank, I'd rather type. I can't stand when they have to enter my phone number and then there's a noise in the background and it screws the whole thing. You know, like this is the experience that, that people hate. I don't think there's anybody out there that loves calling the bank. Yet as a lawyer, you're going to do this for your customers who are, who are, sorry, not even your customers, your prospects who, before they can even talk to you to, to give you any money, you're going to make them jump through all these hoops. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, find, and I find myself, yeah. Andy, I find myself just shouting into the phone, customer service or customer yeah, exactly. service to try to get out of the phone the zero, I just keep smashing the zero button until <laughs> I do I get disconnect out of or this I talk to somebody. Horrible yeah. cycle that I'm in. And I think that yeah. might be where you know, like a money, like a money penny, you know, type of, you know, receptionist, live, live chat, live phone, like mm -hmm. people want to talk to a human. And I think if you can incorporate that into yeah. your intake, that's going to solve a lot of problems right from the get go. Yeah. Th then and, we're, and never. Then we're, yeah. Let me add this also, please. No one should ever get your voicemail, right? I want you to think about this. If your toilet is overflowing and you call a plumber, and the plumber says, hi, this is plumber Bill. We're not here right now, but leave us a message and we'll call you back. Are you going to leave a message or are you going to hang up and dial the next plumber on the list? You I, know had to, I, mean? I had to do that. And by the way, 
if they kept that voicemail, it could be the funniest voicemail they've ever got because there was sewage coming out of my toilet oh, and man. I had no, no idea what to do about it. I finally figured yeah. out shop vac, but, but it was like, <laughs> it's everywhere. It was like this, if they should like, they could publish that, that is a commercial and make millions. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but that's but, what I'm saying is everybody's problem is an emergency to them, yeah, right? Yeah. So you've got to treat it that way. Even if you understand that, look, this isn't really that big of a deal. It's a big deal to them. And yeah. they're going to keep calling and keep calling and keep calling until they get an attorney on the phone who's going to help them, right? Yeah. So the faster you can stop them from calling, and the only way to do that is give them a real live breathing person. And the first, and it should not be, you know, law office. Yeah, I'm trying to, I was in a car accident. Okay, let me transfer you and then transfer it to someone's voicemail. That is no good either, right? Yeah. You need to get their name, you get their phone. I mean, the, the person who answers the phone needs to be able to do an intake. And the reality is, is that some of these cases could be worth millions of dollars where one time you will pay for your receptionist answering the phone for the rest of your career if you get that <laughs> one case. You know what I mean? So it's like, stop yeah. being cheap and take yourself seriously and run your business like a business. You know, instead yeah. of instead of just just treating people like a number, you know? Yeah. So, you know, the other piece of it is, you know, I find that there's a there's a common expression used in legal. It's, you know, we went out and we made the pitch, made the pitch. Mm -hmm. And so I always talk about pitching, convincing, selling as sort of dirty words. And what I'm trying to get people to do is do their research, ask questions, listen, understand, be empathetic. And do it. And, and to your point earlier, which was so solid, get to the pain, get to where it's not just the problem, but what is that problem costing them? What's the impact? What happens if nothing changes? And so I'm constantly training lawyers on how to take people down a, like a path to, to be understanding. What are some tips or thoughts that you have on, on that particular subject? Sure. So, you know, there's this misconception that people hate sales, they hate people, they hate, they hate being sold, right? And you've probably heard the the saying, people love to buy, but they hate to be sold, right? Sure. Have you ever heard yeah. that? Oh, yeah. I, I, that, that's completely false. Oh, people okay. love to buy and they love to be sold. What they hate is they hate bad sales experiences, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, so like, like this thing right here, the iPhone, right? Yeah. Do you remember the first time you heard an I, I heard about an iPhone? Like, yeah. That was like, like I was so excited. Like, do you remember the feeling of that? Like, I'm actually, I'm, 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 I'm pulling the trigger. I'm buying a Tesla. And I'm okay. going on, on Friday, I'm going to test drive it. I'm so excited nice. about this entire process, right? Yeah, that's um, awesome. I have Yeah, one. but it's a great sales experience, right? I stood in line for five hours for my first iPhone, you know, at, at the Florida mall. I just stood in line for it. You know, I had a lot more time back then. But people love to buy and they love to, they love to be sold. What they hate is they hate bad sales experiences. So the reason that people have bad sales experiences is because they're convincing instead of persuading. Now, this is the difference. When you're convincing someone to do something, you are trying to get them to do something for your reasons, right? When you're persuading someone, you are attempting to get them to do something for their reasons. So what do I mean by that? What you have to do is you have to figure out what is the outcome that they desire, right? And show them that you are their best chance of achieving that outcome, right? So I have something I call the airplane test. And it's a test that I always tell lawyers to figure out, are you doing, are you, are you talking about the right thing in your sales pitch, right? So I always tell this, this thing. So my, my wife and I, we went to Cancun a couple of years ago for our anniversary. We try to go every year, but the first time we went, we hired a travel agent. And the travel agent, you know, did the research for us and found the hotels. And then she got on the phone with us and she's like, okay, here's the hotel that I think you should go to. 
It's really cool. It's got all you can, all you can eat and all you can drink. It's adult only. So there's no kids and we have three kids. So definitely, definitely excited about that. You know, our room has a private pool. We actually have our own butler. There's seven restaurants. It's right on the beach. They bring you drinks on the beach and all the food that you want on the beach. And you have your own cabana, like Tiki hut and all that type of stuff. Right. But the one thing she didn't tell us about, do you know what it was? Have you heard this story before? There's, there's alligators in your room. No, no alligators. The one thing she didn't tell us about is the airplane ride. She didn't tell us about the airplane ride that takes us to Mexico. That takes us to the resort. Right. And the reason why is because the airplane ride sucks. Nobody Uh. wants the airplane ride. Right. So you think about all the stuff that has to happen with the airplane ride. You got to get to the airport two hours early. Then you got to check your bags and you got to go through the international terminal. Then you got to go through TSA. Then you got to get in line for the plane Then you got to find your gate and you got to, you know, get on the plane and get off the plane and go through customs, get your bags and figure out how am I going to get, you know, in a third world country, how am I going to get from the airport to the, like, nobody wants that. It sucks. Right. Right. But the airplane is the vehicle that gets you to the destination. What they want is they want the resort. They don't want the airplane ride. Right. Yeah. The problem is most lawyers are selling the airplane ride. Most lawyers are like, you need a bankruptcy. We'll do a chapter 13 or a chapter 11 or a chapter seven bankruptcy, or you need a divorce or you need whatever it is, an estate plan, right? But that's the vehicle that gets them to the resort. The resort is they want to be free from their debt. They want to buy a house. They want to fix their credit. They want, and, and, and even, even further than that, why do they want a house? They want a house because they've been living in an apartment for five years and their kids are nine and 11 years old, two boys, and they're sharing a room and they're constantly fighting. And their, their wife is always complaining about the kitchen being too small in their apartment. And they just need to get out of this thing. Or maybe they're sick of driving a piece of crap car because they have terrible credit and they want to fix their credit and they want to have that ego boost, right? So that's what they want. They don't want a bankruptcy. The bankruptcy is the vehicle that allows them to get to the thing that they want, right? Right. So when you understand not specifically, well, yes, specifically what they want and then specifically why they want it. So you understand they want to buy a new house. And the reason they want to buy a new house is because their wife wants a new kitchen and their kids are staring in a room and they need their own bedroom and the dog needs a yard to run in and everything, then you can help them understand that their best chance of getting that house and getting that dream kitchen and getting the kids their own room and getting the yard is if you help them take care of their financial, their financial problems now. And yeah. the way that you're going to do that is through a chapter seven or 13 bankruptcy or whatever it is, right? But yep. you're always yep. selling the result and the result is the thing that they want, not what you're trying to sell. You know, yep. And that's the biggest... If I can teach one thing about, like, that's all you need to know. That's about the big sales. takeaway. That's the big yeah, takeaway That's all you right need there. to know about sales. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. Listen, we, we have a limited amount of time. I know I want to get to ask you about the three best of, and also you've got a really cool project you're working on that is, that is really impressive. And I'm, I'm a part of it. Uh, I sent in some content to, you know, help out with it. And I'm trying to introduce you to new people to try to fund this, but it's Operation yeah. Underground Railroad. Can you give a 30 second on that? Yes. So basically, I became aware of this organization. And basically, there are millions of children who are basically caught in sex slavery right now around the world. And, you know, I've got three kids. And this is something where it hit me personally. And I was like, all right, it affected me personally. And I was like, I, I got to do something about this. So what I'm doing is I'm bringing together lots and lots of people, lawyers and legal vendors in the legal industry, And we are collectively working to raise $1 million to benefit Operation Underground Railroad. And what Operation Underground Railroad does is they're an organization that actually goes and literally does like these SWAT team extractions and rescues kids that are being held in these sex slavery situations. And like 
there's some huge people involved. Like Tony Robbins is, I think, their biggest their biggest donor. So there's a lot of really, really big people that are involved in Operation Underground Railroad. And I wanted to do my part and bring everyone together. So basically, we're doing a really cool fundraiser where if you donate, you get access to this entire library of content that was put together from awesome people like you. And I've got a lot of stuff in there. And we've got tons of other vendors and lawyers in there who have created specific content about how to grow law firms, how to have a more successful law firm, anything you can need if you're a law firm owner. And you get a free, you get access to this library of content completely free when you make your donation. I, I don't have the link right off the top of my head, but we'll we'll make sure you have it for the show notes. Yeah, we'll definitely put that in the show notes so people can donate. If not money, then their their time to try to help the cause. Either way, I know it's going to be beneficial to you know this very important cause. And I appreciate you spearheading that. And I'm I'm just happy to be a part of it. And I'm glad that you guys reached out to me. I actually connected through Allison Williams. Shout out to Allison Williams. Connecting oh, hey, us. Allison. Yeah, Allison's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, um, Allison's great. Let's move on to the three best of, and we'll do again a speed round here. But you're in Tampa, Florida, so yeah. favorite restaurant? What I what you would take me to do if I came down to visit? Like what what's a cool thing to see or do? And then yeah. what are the locals into? So I'm actually in Lakeland, Florida, but I can do Lakeland and I can do Tampa. So Lakeland, Florida, 1961 is a great restaurant here in Tampa. I got to go with Eddie V's. That's my my favorite restaurant in Tampa. I love that place. I think they have them everywhere though. So it might not Sounds be like a, a chain. Yeah. Eddie V's. Yeah, I think I've heard of that it before. Is, but it's, it's a very expensive chain. It's like, it's one of the places <laughs> where it takes like a hundred bucks, but yeah, no, I've, I've had, and whenever someone wants to take me to dinner, I'm like, Hey, let's go to Eddie V's. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm happy um, to take a hundred dollars steak. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the second question was, what was the, what was the second uh, question? It was about, so what, right, so we eat Eddie V's. We've had this great meal. Like what would be something I'd have to go see or do in Lakeland, Florida? Uh, geez. In Lakeland, Florida. Or Tampa. Um, or Tampa. Let's see Tampa. So, you know, I'm pretty easy. I like just, I like, I like outdoor stuff. So like, you know, I love going to top golf, going to oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Golf, tons of fun. Yeah. There's a place uh, down here I'm trying to think what else there is in, 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 in Tampa. Some pretty decent golf courses. Yeah. 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 Lots of golf. Well, it's Florida. So there's lots right. of, lots of golf down here. Okay. So I think top golf is one of my favorite things. And, and as soon as we get off of here, I'm going to be like, I should have said that. You know, but, uh, you actually, you know what I really love? I love going to St. Petersburg and just kind of walking around down, downtown. I love St. Pete, Florida. Oh, that's, um, and cool. that's pretty close to here. Also, that's that's a, a day trip to Tampa. Okay. Yeah. So lo- love St. Pete. And then the last question was, what was the last? Just question? like, what are you into? What are the locals into? And I think you mentioned St. Petersburg is a great place to kind of walk around. Uh, yeah. Anything else? Anything else that just the locals are kind of been into and sort of been hot maybe since the COVID era? Since the COVID, well, in Lakeland, you know, there's not a ton to do. It's a lot of golf. Golf is definitely big. Okay. Um, I am really drawing a blank right now, and I know oh, I'm going to have a great answer. I knew as soon as as soon as we hang up, I'm going to have a great <laughs> answer. Like, oh, I should have said that. Well, Let's see what did I do recently. You, you can always to- you can always email me, and I'll put it back in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, so um, so I'll say this: this weekend, my wife and I went to Bach Tower, which is like a, a botanical garden, and they've got this like. 80 foot, like eight story tower that was just built in the middle of it, which is really, really cool. It's in uh, Winter Haven, Florida, which is about probably 25 minutes from Lakeland. Okay. Uh, so Bach Tower is really cool. My kids and I, I, I have annual passes to Disney. I take my kids to Disney all the time, you know? Yep. So um, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff to do down here. It's uh, I'm just drawing a blank on it. No, man, it's all right. Yeah, listen, I, I kind of threw that out at you. So Andy Stickle, thank you so much for being on the show just appreciate what you're doing, uh, how you're helping the legal community, how you're helping with the the Operation uh, Underground Railroad. That's all fantastic. And just keep doing what you're doing, man. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
Yeah. And thank you everybody for spending some time with me and Andy today. Hopefully you got a couple of good takeaways. I have my usual page of scrawled left-handed notes on my remarkable two <laughs> that I'm using. And listen, it's all about being that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized in a skilled rainmaker. Everybody be safe, be well, and have a great year. Talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.